was the night before the night before Christmas, and by all account, not a creature was stirring, not even P-Mount. The bottles were placed by the TV with care, in the hopes that our podcast hosts would be there. Velvet and Blackout came to watch festive treats from Christmases past while slouched in their seats. Sitcoms and game shows, variety telly, with guest spots from Dana, Cleo Lane, and George Melly. But don't get too comfy, there's no time for snoozing, for things will get lively with swearing and boozing. Yes, eggnog will flow, and so will the whiskey. The language on these parts will get rather frisky. But it's all of good nature, my boys mean no harm. What they lack in discretion. They'll make up in charm. So well done to you with this podcast you've plucked. Happy Christmas, dear listener. To all others, get fucked. On today's pipes. <laughs> can I um, can I point something out? You can. Dolly is wankered on the Harvey's Bristol cream as soon as we go into this. She is. I'm getting the impression that that was more than just good acting. Dolly is having an amazing time here. I've never known a protagonist be so blunt. It's like, I have to say all the harsh lines very loudly, like this, all the time, laugh, next line, thank you. This sounds like a movie trailer. Hang on a second. In a home where everyone has access to everything, who gives some fucker a box of chocolates for Christmas? What a cheap bunch of shites. Are you all right? Hello and welcome to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. And we haven't stopped drinking since episode 10. <laughs> so anything could happen here, but let's face facts. It's Christmas. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And I'm Ozzy Bognops. And we're here to talk about the telly. Yes, hello you. Thank you for joining us for our casual cultural critique of Christmas television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from the tree, because here, all roads lead to the mountain. If you're new to this parish, you can find info and links for the programme we're discussing over at PeggyManPod.com, as well as links to our socials and all the places you can listen and subscribe. Before we three kings of Peggy Mount are, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Well, um, I am continuing the theme of festive plonk, and I am back on the port. Oh, good lad. What about yourself, Dr Velvet? I'm drinking vodka-infused ginger wine. Mmm. Healthy. Well, is it agreeable? Well, it is to me. I'll drink green paint. But, to be fair, <laughs> um, it, it works. It gives you that lovely warm feeling. It's like a nice winter hug. So does battery acid, but, you know... Well, it is. Yeah, but this doesn't blind you in the same oh, way. Oh, OK, right. Fair <laughs> um, so, no, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, blackout yourself. Uh, well, it's ruddy Christmas, so I'm having a snowball. But since your traditional snowball involves a mix of avocado and lemonade, and since that oh, wow. would make around 50% of the drink booze-free, I've diluted the warnings with hooch alcoholic lemonade instead. Oh, of course rah. you have. Of and, course uh, you have. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful touch, actually. I'm not going to lie. It's mm. fucking foul. Yay! Yes. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'll finish it anyway. Well, I was going to turn the clock back to when I drank neat warnings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember that. Finish the bastard. Yeah. Yeah. You were basically sitting there drinking eggs. 
And now and now he's drinking eggs and lemon. Lovely drink, lovely drink. The drink of party season where we're all disco dancing. And we're dancing to the tune of Chris Rea's seasonal record as we're driving to a home for Christmas. His middle name is Dyer. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and so we come full circle. You're Only Young Twice was the Yorkshire television sitcom written by Pam Valentine and Michael Ashton. Starring our favourite Peggy Mount and Pat Coombs as Flora and Sissy, residents of the Paradise Lodge Retirement Home. Our reason for a return to these hallowed halls is to watch Twas the Night Before Christmas, the festive special which lands between the third and fourth series. We were originally covering this for our special's finale tomorrow, but this was originally broadcast on ITV at half eight on December the 23rd, 1980. That's 40 years ago this very night! Woo! The inhabitants of the lodge are getting themselves G'd up for the festive season with Sissy winning Flora's draw to dress as Father Christmas. Meanwhile, however, an unexpected visitor arrives. Yeah, youth enjoys his husband. Aye, indeed. Alias the man from the Winchester Club in Minder. That's right. Hello, Arthur. Which will cast back to one of Eddie Large's impressions. That's right. That he didn't do. Yeah, he didn't do that in the Christmas special, but it was one of his major impressions, one of his one of his uh, portfolio. Yeah, of course. Can I um, can I point something out? You can. Dolly is wankered on the Harvey's Bristol cream as soon as we go into this. She is. I'm getting the impression that Dolly that was more than just good acting. Dolly is having an amazing time here. Uh-huh. I love it, me. I love it, me. She's almost like the Golden Girls analogy where they throw to Estelle Getty for a funny line that has nothing to do with what they've been talking about. That seems to be her entire role in most of this episode. Now, here we are. I mean, let's face facts. We've we've been here before. Mm -hmm. You're only young twice. Mm -hmm. We've been here before. Uh, We're familiar. Uh, There's a familiar smell to the Axminster on the carpet. There is. Piddle. Um, it's largely piss, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My husband stains floors for a living. He doesn't intend to. Bubum, ding. <laughs> Can I just say, uh, Miss Milton? Okay, so the, yes. the manager of Paradise Lodge. In my mind, she is the sister of Miss Courtney, the head teacher of the Adult Education Centre in. Mind your language. They've got a similar voice, played by, <laughs> played, they have played by Zara Nutley. They've got a similar voice and a similar, a whole similar thing about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ramrod and, back and and, and, and in my yeah. mind, they are sisters. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Is the third sister Penelope Keith into the Manor Born? To quote from uh, <coughs> Mr. Granger in I Being Set. No, 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 no. No, no, now, no. Now, if we're going to look at that analogy, can we therefore also draw some conclusions that the lead, the, the, the chief protagonist in this here sitcom hmm. bears us, uh, psyche-wise, a passing resemblance to Bullard Baxter in Grange Hill? I've never known a protagonist be so blunt. <laughs> it's like, I have to say all the harsh lines very loudly, like this, all the time, laugh, next line, thank you. All of the time. Actually, you, you bring up a very valid point because... Obviously, it's a tradition in the home where someone dresses as Santa every year. This time, Sissy really wants to dress as Santa. Flora fixes it so that she gets her wish, which is lovely. Bless her. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, um, it's a lovely thing to do for someone, 
But when Flora announces... You've won! Can you announce to anybody any more aggressively... Yeah, exactly. ...that you've won? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the only way she could do this any more aggressively would be to kick her in the mouth. Yes. That's why she never got the 3-2-1 gig. That's why Ted oh, Rogers my. got it. God. I'd like to see Jim Bowen introducing her coming out of a crit. Yes. <laughs> he, he wouldn't dare. <laughs> Was this episode written in 1938? Because it is a clunky, <laughs> clunky as an Austin Seven with no wheels. Do you think? I've got, I've got. No, I've got that. It feels just so ancient. It's ancient words, clumsily arranged and deathly paced. But do you like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's this weird thing where, as we said, this is like well into its run now. They're, you know, they're approaching their final series, so it's clearly still very successful. But as a sitcom, a primetime sitcom, this is incredibly functional. It's like yeah. a, a very linear stage farce with little to no self-awareness. And yet it's that complete lack of irony, which means I can still enjoy it at face value. Okay. I mean, you know, um, utilitarian is everything. You know, the 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 sig tune could belong to a thousand and one different sitcoms of any era. So could the set. So mm-hmm. could the people. So could mm-hmm. the words. Mm-hmm. Yorkshire Television. Get the value and bleed it dry. <laughs> this particular episode, though, half of the dialogue feels like it's been improvised as filler. Yeah. And then it ends without a proper resolution because the episode runs out of time. I get the feeling that they were writing this as the cameras started rolling. It's surprisingly shoddy for a series that was so well established. Just remind me, whereabouts in the canon of this... It was between two series. This is between three and four. Right, so... Well, between three and four, so you would, as you say, think that they had they're, they're, some... They're on the fucking rails by now. now. They know what they've got to do. You'd sort of understand if they were taking their foot off the gas as like a filler episode, but they came back specifically to do this Christmas episode before the fourth series. Bloody hell. And of course, the other thing to remember, as I said in one of the previous episodes, is this was around franchise renewal time, so it didn't matter what the hell they said, just get them on the screen and make it look nice. Right. You know, you can do that with a bowl of fruit. You could could have done that on Farmhouse Kitchen, which I think was shot in the same set. When the um, when the burglar sh- uh, finally sort of shows his face and it's Glenn Edwards, my brain I thought, oh look, it's Ken Boone's boss out of Boone, but of course that wasn't. That was David Dacre, Eric Crawford. And then I spent the rest of the episode thinking that Glenn Edwards and David Dacre are pretty much the same actor, apart from right. those two episodes of Minder that they were in together. Although I think they just made them look separate by using a blue screen for that. Can I just point something out here though? At this present moment in time, indeed, Dolly, Doctor, indeed, Dolly. It's got the right idea, right? Get shit faced, exactly. Blatted. The woman, the woman is thick of makeup and half uh-huh. cut. Uh-huh. At, at, at six o'clock at night Aren't on we Christmas all? <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? Bless her. I have a question. When the when you mentioned Glenn Edwards in that particular scene, uh, where he comes in now, Ozzy Bognobs, I know that you've seen um, the carrying ons in the caravan. And yes. I know that you've seen the carrying on ridiculouses, but yes. don't you think the music, the harmonica part and the incidental music in this reminds you of carrying on in a taxi? Yes, absolutely. It reminds me of that. But there is also the international sitcom scene change chord 
that it, apparently you have to have a license to use this, and it is used in this episode. I can't quite, I can't quite remember the exact key, but this is the chord. That's called sitcom. That is called sitcom. So yeah, yeah, we've got some impressive um, fourth wall breaking from Dolly. Yes, L- loving that. Loving that. Bit of trivia for you. Although the American writer Susan Harris never publicly admitted it, her sitcom The Golden Girls was based on You're Only Young Twice, and Pam Valentine and Mike Ashton let this lie as a sort of artistic homage. However, when the UK remake of this, Brighton Bells, premiered in 1993, Valentine and Ashton sued the absolute arse off ITV for a sort of self-plagiarisation, which resulted in that being cancelled after one series. It's true that, you can look it up. I think I'd better. Okay. We're brought into the world of the window gang. Yes. They sound they sound fantastic. Now they look like the mafia. Is uh-huh. this or is this not an idea that is lurking in the shadows for a spin-off series of novellas about yes. turf wars at Paradise Lodge? Yes. And yes. Because if it isn't, I don't know what is. I want a spin-off <laughs> sitcom, just about them sitting there in the window looking out and all of these shenanigans will be taking place in the background you get yes. different actresses to play the characters but reading the same scripts in the background Mr Blackout that's not a right. sitcom that's a screensaver <laughs> yeah and Even... all of this is happening and like obviously they have their own script going on but every now and then they look over their shoulders and a pivotal moment from your only young twice will play out and they'll just look at each other and be like what a bunch of shites then carry on with their own sitcom <laughs> Absolutely. There's definitely, definitely a second strand in the window gang. Yeah, there has to be a catchphrase around that sodding box of chocolate as well. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm, th- I'm pleased you mentioned this because in a home where everyone has access to everything... This sounds like a movie trailer. Hang on a second. In a home where everyone has access to everything, who gives some fucker a box of chocolates for Christmas? What a cheap bunch of shites. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Starring Steven Seagal, Bruce Willis, Marty Kane, and Les Dennis. (laughs) The Window Gang. I don't want to see it. Uh, yeah, no. We're making it anyway. No, my point is, right, she puts the box of chocolates in the sideboard. Uh-huh. She does. No fucker finds it for 12 months. Uh-huh. Is, there, is there nobody allowed to go in that side? Well, to be fair, for, with Flora guarding it, that nobody would. Yeah. I think the it's only one, The only person in that entire residence who's gone through cupboards is Dolly when she's looking for gin. Yeah, you could and be she right. knows yeah. it's not in there because she hasn't left it in there. So you know, you could be and right. the chocolates aren't those little bottles that had liqueurs in them. You know, can you gather that much dust on a box of chocolates in a sideboard? No, you've not lived in our place. <laughs> and and that for me, burst the bubble. So with that, gentlemen, pegs upon the tree that is in the lounge next to the window gang, Mister Blackout. Where are you placing your pegs? We don't have that many 1970s sitcoms, which aren't now viewed as problematic on some level. You're only young twice. Maybe televisual comfort food, and it may be clunky, and it may be awkward to watch, but I like it. Six out of nine. Dr Velvet, how about your good self? Agree with Blackout. Six all the way, for similar reasons. 
That is like a little visit to your grandma with a nice bit tinsel and a nice smell of, well, piddle and pat coombs. But it's yeah, you're, you're not meant to laugh a, at the jokes. You're just meant to love the people who are telling them. I'd like to have been that eloquent, but I've had, I've had the brandy. He has. He really has. Indeed. And how's how? By the way, was the snowball going down? Uh, yeah, nearly finished it. It's all good. He's lying. I can't read my notes anymore, but it's good. <laughs> he poured it into the plant behind him. <laughs> well, I must be seeing double because I've got 11 out of 9 here. No, I'm afraid to say I disagree with you both. I found it tawdry, dull, slow-paced, and even of its time, with the actors that were in it, it could have been so much better, and it could have been so much more festive, and it actually could have had a fucking ending. One out of nine. Well, why don't you just set fire to Christmas? Because the duvet has already caught fire, thanks to static. <laughs> it was one of them ones that Jim Bowen's given to a hospital. Exactly. <laughs> oh, there's a gulp from Blackout. That's me finishing my says, snowball, by the way. Yes, indeed, you have. And we finished this episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour Christmas special. Oh, my goodness me. And there are no steps up the mountain required. Because, of course, we've just watched The Peggy Mount. We're already up the mountain. We're already there. There you go. And we're approaching the end of the episode. And, of course, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for being with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyManPod at gmail.com or we are PeggyManPod on Twitter and on Facebook. It's as simple as that. This is the wrap-up for the penultimate Peggy Mount Calamity Hour Christmas special episode. Join us for the final tomorrow. It's Christmas Eve. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow for the Christmas Eve episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour Christmas special. We'll probably be drunk. Yes, we will, because we've not (laughs) stopped drinking yet. The Peggy Man Calamity Hour is a free podcast from Eichel Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Okay, here we go. It's as simple as... What I like is that Dolly is played by Lally Bowers, and if you sound, uh, yes. her, if you just say her name, it sounds like you're pissed. Lally Bowers, it does. Lally Bowers, <laughs> Lally Bowers, you know Lally Bowers, that. In looking at Ricks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I have nothing for this section. I need to go home. I need to go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh. don't tell me you didn't know I've been like saving that one for the last four minutes come on <laughs> you cannot put that in the best Christmas gifts cost a little more but they're worth it like Panache by Lomthric in this beautiful perfume or this elegant parfum spray so give her something special with Panache a classic fragrance by Lomthric hardest people in the world to buy for. How about the world's simplest camera? Polaroid 1000. You don't have to worry about focusing. Just as well over Christmas. 
Because there isn't any. You just push this button. If they can find it. <laughs> the super colour pictures that capture the spirit of Christmas in minutes. Ah, but what do you give the man who already has a Polaroid 1000?